0: something funny. God does this a lot when we'll talk about something in Sunday school, or um, we'll have a message planned, and then he speaks the message again to either remind students or adults that were in Sunday school previously. Um, But he really just solidifies his teaching in various ways on Sunday mornings and all throughout the week, which is really cool. So if you've paid attention um, to, like, the prayers and the songs that we sang this morning and the words that Chris shared, you've pretty much heard the message, so we can just go home now. So, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but it really is neat. I don't know how many of you have picked up on that, but God just solidifies his teaching in so many different ways um, throughout our lives. So, um, the first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about is um, a man by the name of Derek Bach. Has anyone heard of a man named Derek Bach? He was the president of Harvard University, uh, where I used to—I'm just kidding, I didn't go there—he um, was the president of uh, Harvard University uh, for about 20 years, and he was giving this president uh, presidential um, word, word of advice um, to the college, and it was actually uh, Harvard's 350th anniversary, so been around for a long time at this point, and this is what he had to say. Um, He briefly talked about some financial um, problems and political failures that they had seen, and these are some words that he shared. He said, Religious institutions, which Harvard is supposed to be, religious institutions no longer seem as able as they once were to impart basic values to the young. He said, In these circumstances, universities, including Harvard, need to think hard about what they can do in the face of what many perceive as a widespread decline in ethical standards. So this is a a man who is the president of Harvard University. He's kind of calling them out along with a lot of other institutions um, that teach colleges. And then he also says, In other days, the instructor's aim was to foster a belief in commonly accepted moral values. Now all has changed. Today's course in applied ethics does not seek to convey a set of moral truths, but tries to encourage the student to think carefully about complex issues. So he's saying um, the universities, the colleges um, here in the States are not doing what they can to best equip people to do good works. He's saying it it rather just encourages you guys to think about complex issues. Um, But obviously, if we're just stuck thinking about complex issues and we don't live out what God has called us to do, then we're just kind of stuck. so you can kind of boil it down to love God, love people, make disciples, which I've preached many times, and Jesus preached too, which is really neat how it works out too. Um, but there's a, a pretty funny quote um, from Mark Twain that really, really gets me thinking. I'm not going to quote it word for word, but it basically goes something to the effect of, um, as I read through God's word, it's not the passages that I don't understand that are problematic for me. It's the passages that I do understand that are problematic for me. Because I think um, whether you're going to college or whether you're entering the workforce, we can be so um, confused by so many different things people are trying to tell us. If we don't keep Jesus first and try to live out his will for our lives, then we're just going to be lost. We're going to be confused uh, for, the rest, for the rest of our days. So I want to encourage you with that. Another um, a podcast I was listening to, um, there was this doctor, and he was saying, all we need to do is educate people better. People live a life not worth living because they aren't educated enough. Now I would say if you're not educated about the right things like Jesus and living for him, then that's correct. But we have one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ, and it's not education. Education is not our Savior. Even doing good works, that's not our Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior. So as you enter college and the, the workforce, there are good things for you to do, but that's not what saves you. So focus on becoming more like Jesus by loving God and loving people and making disciples in college. If not, you're going to be confused. Um, Everybody breathing in college is going to try to tell you something different you're supposed to do with your life. Maybe standing up here, you're like, Jeremy's just trying to tell me another thing to do with my life, and that's fine, but I'm preaching from God's Word, so hopefully I don't, I don't misstep any boundaries, and I am preaching God's Word for you to help you guys decide what you need to do with your life, with your precious time. We watched the video, uh, My Lighthouse, and I really like that um, the video, but then also the lyrics, because it's really important. I'm going to read through them real fast. It says, In my wrestling and in my doubts, In my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. In the silence, you won't let go. In my questions, your truth will hold. Your great love will lead me through. My lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you. I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to shore. I won't fear what tomorrow brings. With each morning, I'll rise and sing. My God's love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Fire before us, you're the brightest, you will lead us through the storms. That is a great representation of God when we're going through big life transitions, especially if you're going to be living away from your parents for the first time. There are going to be things that come up that you're just like broadsided by, that maybe you're not sure what to do with. But I would encourage you, I'm um, looking at Scripture, we do see that Jesus is our lighthouse. But looking at the, the bigger picture of Scripture, we can also see that hopefully he's the captain of our ship. Hopefully, he's the ship that's getting us from point A to point B. He's also the one allowing storms to rise up in our lives to challenge us and uh, and help us to 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 draw closer to him and be more like his son Jesus. So lighthouse, that's a sweet thing. It's pretty fun to hear Isaac sing too. That's one of the first songs he ever heard on the radio that he actually was able to sing relatively well. So it was really cool. So lighthouse, I hope that that those words uh, ring true for you guys. Um, as you go about your your college stuff. So to kind of sum up the message in in just a paragraph, um, living your life is about living in such a way that you love God and love people while accomplishing whatever it is that God has for you to do. So engineers love God and love people, make disciples, teachers, students, burger flippers, custodians, comedians, pastors, directors, deacons, parents, kids, grandparents. Love God, love people, make disciples. That's what we're called to do. So just because you choose to do something that you think isn't as spiritual as something somebody else is doing, you're still called to love God and love people and make disciples. So God has prepared good things in advance for you to do if you're willing to live your, walk, live your life in a way that accomplishes those good things. I encourage you to be ready to do what God wants you to do. As we read and listen to Scripture, we need to let it sink uh, deep within ourselves. We need to let it embody its truth. And if we don't allow Scripture uh, to speak to us and transform us, then what are we putting above Scripture as the authority in our life? What are we putting above Scripture if we don't allow it to change us from the inside out? Does anybody remember... um, the the last series that we went through as a church where we talked about our mission and vision and values. Does anybody remember the title of that series? It was three things. It's three Ps. Anybody? Purpose, plan, and priority. Yes. Thank you, Terry. Yeah. I'm sure everybody else in this room knew that, too. You're just like, I don't want to be the one to say it. I don't want to be—yeah. Purpose, plan, and priority. So I thought it would be interesting if, since we just did a series on that— to talk about the purpose, plan, and priority of First Baptist if we did um, a message today called The Purpose, Plan, and Priority of Your Life. Now, this is something that applies to graduates. This is something that applies to me. This is something that applies to everybody in the room. Um, so I hope that you're able to learn from it. Now, if you have your Bibles, um, open up to Second Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter one. On Wednesday night, um, we had our, our second-to-last Cairo uh, for the school year before summer. So again, it was um, a message about making disciples and loving God and loving people. Um, And I use a different passage, which goes to show that there's so many different passages in Scripture that we can look to for guidance um, to help us to know what to do in loving God and loving people and making disciples. I chose 2 Timothy um, because it's an interesting letter. Um, This is likely the last letter that Paul wrote before he was um, executed for for spreading the gospel, um, which is pretty intense. Um, According to church tradition, uh, Peter was hung upside down on a cross— because he didn't want to be hung exactly like Jesus was on a cross. He chose to be upside down on a cross, um, which is awe-inspiring. And then Paul, since he was a Roman citizen, he had to have his head cut off. He was beheaded because of that, um, because they wouldn't crucify their own Roman citizens. So interesting, right? So this is one of the the last letters that Paul wrote before he was killed. Um, And he's obviously talking to a, a guy named Timothy, Uh, which is a pretty clever title for the letter, right? It's to Timothy, so we know. And then um, right here at the beginning, he tells us that it is him, it is Paul, that is sharing. Um, So with Paul dying for the cause of Christ, um, a lot of times I think we go to the question, are you willing to die for Jesus? Graduates, are you willing to die for Jesus? That's a good question. But I think there's an even better question um, that we should talk about this morning. And I think that in, in a split second, somebody could choose to give their life for somebody else. They might not even like the person they're about to give their life for, but in a split second, if they're like, okay, you're going to die or you're going to die, the person could be like, you know what? I lived a pretty good life. I don't like that person, but I want to see them, or I want them to change. Uh, I'll, I'll die instead of them. Um, scripture also tells us that um, people would die for a good man, Right? So I think the question isn't, are you willing to die for Jesus? I'm completely willing to die for my family, um, but I don't think it's going to make a huge deal or huge impact on my kids if I don't choose to live every day in a way that shows them the the love of Jesus. So just to say that I would die for my family doesn't mean I shouldn't show them the love of Jesus on a daily basis. So graduates, I don't think the question, uh, the big question this morning is, are you willing to die for Jesus? I hope you are. But the question is, are you willing to live your life for Jesus? Because that will be what, tells, uh, what, what stands the test of time. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, um, starting with verse 1, it says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I have been sent out to tell others about the life he has promised through faith in Christ Jesus. Point number one, purpose. Um, aren't we all sent out? to tell people about Jesus. Whatever job we have that God has us at, we are sent out to tell people about Jesus. If you were supposed to be um, a stay-at-home mom, you're called to tell people about Jesus. We are all supposed to tell people about Jesus. So purpose, plan, and priority of your life. Purpose, number one, tell people about Jesus. That was a fast one. Um, sent out to tell people about Jesus. Do, do any of you graduates have a smartphone? I know Ben doesn't. He brings it up a lot. He's like, might well, I get a dumb phone? But, yeah, Gary, you've got one? Okay, can I see it for a second? I have like 400, text messages, for sure. 400 texts? That's fine. Okay. What's that? What do you mean? There you go. I just downloaded an app for you that when you're in college or you're going about your daily life, and you're like, man, I've just got this question, right? I've got something that's really bugging me. I need guidance on this issue. You just open up that app. It's going to help you out, okay? Okay. So how foolish would it be if Garrett's like, you know what? I'm confused. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, I know I've got this app, but I'm just going to put the phone in my pocket. I'm not going to check the app. That's pretty foolish, right? Garrett, you're a smart guy. You wouldn't do that. But I think a lot of times we do that with God's word. We get to this place in our life where we're like, man, I'm just so confused about what we're supposed to do. I've got these doubts about my faith. There are so many things that are happening in my life that are causing grief. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I encourage you to turn to God's word. Turn to God's word for the guidance that you need. And I'm not saying that every single time you open it, you're going to say, that's my next step based on God's word, those verses, that is my next step. But I'm saying that if you've got a relationship with Jesus, he's going to be guiding you every step of the way, every step that you take, which is incredible. So I encourage you to open up up God's word and let it guide you. In verse two, I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son, may God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. A clear conscience. He says that he serves God with a clear conscience. Um, Are we able to say that? Are we able to say that we're serving God with a clear conscience? And and what does that mean? That means to to live your life being guided by God, allowing the Spirit in you um, to guide and direct every step. Are you sensitive to the Spirit's promptings as he guides you to have a clear conscience? Verse 4, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. So he's apart from Timothy for a while, and he's really encouraged by what Timothy's going to do, and he's also trying to encourage Timothy to keep doing it. He said, he will be filled with joy again when he sees him. Verse 5, I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Happy late Mother's Day, right? How encouraging is that? Um, Paul's saying, your mom, your grandma, I know that they were raising you to follow Jesus. They were teaching you from his word. Keep doing that. So parents, just because our kids are in uh, college now, that doesn't mean we're done in some ways, that means we have to step up our game a little bit, still be kind of off at the sidelines, but still there guiding them and for sure praying for them. And as, as, the first, as first Baptist Church, hopefully we are also lifting up our graduates in prayer. Um, I printed off uh, some of these. It's the top 10 ways to pray for the class of 2015. Um, I'll set these up here on this chair. If you'd like to grab one of these um, before you leave, just as a reminder, you could fold it up and put it in your Bible or something just to be reminded of different ways to pray for our graduates because they're going to be entering spiritual warfare like they've probably never experienced it before. So we need to make sure that above all else, we are praying for them. We're lifting them up to God. Verse 6, it says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. If you've got a spiritual gift that you don't know about, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit has given you a gift. If you don't know what it is, I encourage you to find out what it is. If you know what it is, use it so the body isn't lacking. Um, And the question is, so how do you figure out what your spiritual gift is, right? Right? So obviously praying and asking God to show it to you, but then also just getting involved with different ministries um, on campus or at church to figure out, man, is this what I'm supposed to do? Is this an area that God has gifted me at? Um, So try some things out. Don't be afraid to, and just see how God guides you during that time. Verse 7, it says, For God has not given given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Fearful people do foolish things. Fearful people do foolish things. Um, a few years ago, we took a group of students to Six Flags, St. Louis, and they have this big, they call it the dragon wing, where it's like, whoosh, it's like a, almost like a bungee jumping thing, but you can do it by yourself, or you have a couple other people with you. It's a pretty sweet deal. I've never done it. That's fine. I've got nothing to prove. So we had some students that did it, and it was, it was really funny, because um, this one person in particular, they did it, and then they got done, and the person had actually wet themselves. And it was like, oh no. And the person was not embarrassed at all by it. They're like, oh, can I go to the bus and get a new pants? New pants? I was like, yes, you can. That's totally fine. Um, but she was fearful, right? She was pretty scared of what was happening. She couldn't really control herself. Foolish people do foolish things. Um, there's this game that uh, the youth we play, it's called Live Mafia. So then I won't go into all the rules and everything, but there are times when people are getting chased down, okay? It's kind of like an elaborate game of tag with strategy and stuff. It's really cool. Um, So people are getting chased down, and we played this uh, in Detroit last summer on our mission trip at the church we were staying at, and when people are getting chased in the middle of the night and it's totally dark, even though they're in a church, they get terrified especially when when Carter Bastine is on all fours chasing you like a bear. It's pretty scary. So people run, and they they jump off of things just to get away, because scared people do foolish things. Another thing that happened, uh, the church that we stayed at in Detroit had this big bear, like this big stuffed bear. It was a real bear, but it was stuffed, and it was on wheels. And, uh, (laughs) oh no, it was on wheels, so then uh, the last day that we were staying there, we were going to wake up the students and say, okay, it's time to get ready. We need to leave to go home. And uh, like the night before, uh, the other leaders are with me. I won't share their names. Uh, <laughs> they were like, this would be a really cool idea if we can take the bear, take it up the elevator, and then down the hallway, and then we can put it in the, in the kids' rooms and scare them, Right. And I was like, okay, (laughs) let's try it out. So it's early in the morning, we put it first on the guy's side, and uh, we're like, okay, so what noise are we going to make? We don't have like a loudspeaker or anything. So then I grabbed a a big orange construction cone, and we turned the light on with the bear in their room, and I started making bear noises like, rawr, with a construction cone. And like, nobody moved. (laughs) And then a couple of the guys kind of happened to, like, wake up, and they're like, what are you guys doing? (laughs) And we were like, oh, I guess that wasn't scary. Okay. So we tried it on the girls, and it didn't work on them either (laughs) because— Right? So they weren't afraid, so they act logically. They didn't go running away. They didn't make irrational decisions, right? They are like, that's not a real bear. That's not a real bear growl. I'm going to go to sleep still, right? (laughs) So they weren't afraid, so they act rationally. I think the same thing happens uh, in college or whenever we're going to make a transition. I think a lot of times we can hear these different stories from previous graduates or from our parents or on the news, and we're like, dude, college is scary, right? And then we we can just kind of be in fear and be like, okay, I'm afraid to go to college now. And then that will complicate the way you react to things. If you're just always living in fear of what might happen at college, based on other stories, you're probably not going to be able to make rational decisions. However, I think you need to be aware of some of the pitfalls, some of the different things that Satan uses to get you guys off track in college. So be aware, but don't live in fear, because you have the Holy Spirit living inside you. So don't be afraid, but be aware. Verse number 8 It says, So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for him, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. So are you, are you ready to suffer for Jesus if the, if the occasion calls for it? If somebody says, um, are you going to stand up for Jesus in one of your classes? Are you willing to? Are you like, man, I don't look foolish to all these people. They're pretty smart people. They're going to think I'm dumb. Are you willing to stand up for Jesus in the dorm? Um, when people aren't living what we would call a holy lifestyle, a lifestyle that's set apart, that God has for you. If you're making decisions that are counter to what everybody else is trying to do or trying to tell you um, in your dorm or in your classes or even um, some relatives, are you willing to stand up and say, you know what? No, God's called me to live in a different way. I'm going to live that way, and I don't care what other people think about that. Are you willing to stand up for Jesus? Are you willing to not be ashamed of following Jesus? Um, So live daily for Christ. Verse ten, and now He has made all of this plain to us, or all of this plain to us, by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Saviour. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of his good news. That has to do with our, our purpose in life. What has God chosen you to do? Paul, he already knows what he's chosen him to do. He's supposed to tell people about Jesus. He's supposed to uh, preach and tell people the good news, right? What is God calling you to do? What has God chosen for you to do? A few months ago, we had uh, services canceled because of snow. You guys remember that? Yeah. So we were, we were at home, and it was, it was all a lot of fun right? Because it's like, oh, snow day. So we watched uh, um, uh, a preacher on TV, and Isaac heard the guy. He was talking about being a shepherd of God. And uh, a few minutes later, Isaac comes up to me. He's got his blanket. And he's like, can you, can you tie this on me like a cape? I was like, Abs- of course I will. Superheroes, yeah. So I tied it around him like a cape, and he was running around, and he was saying, I am a shepherd of God. I am a shepherd of God. And I was like, why does a shepherd need a cape? But then it was like, why wouldn't a shepherd have a cape? Then we'd have so many more shepherds dressed up on Halloween, right? Like, there's a shepherd of God, there's Satan, there's a shepherd of God, right? (laughs) It's really cool. So he had it in his mind, I am a shepherd of God. And then a a few weeks ago, um, it was in the morning, I just got done working out, Isaac woke up, and he came over and talked to me. And I was thinking about just his life, because I I like to hear about what he thinks about. Um, So I asked him, instead of, the question I was originally going to ask him was, what are you going to do with your life? Which is a huge question, but I like asking people that at times, because it's like, okay, what's my three-year-old going to say? Um, So then I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, I'm going to switch it up. Instead of saying, what do you want to do with your life? I'm going to ask him, what does Jesus want you to do with your life? And he gave me an interesting answer. He said, "Uh, I'm going to go build houses for people that don't have houses. And I was like, well, that's really cool. If God calls you to do that, go make houses for people that don't have houses, right? Do I think that that is actually God's calling on his life? I don't know. But we will wait and see, right? But the point is, um, you're going to be asked a lot, what are you going to do with your life? And then you're going to want to go back to yourself and say, okay, what do I want to do with my life, right? But that's not the best question. Instead, ask ask yourself, okay, with what God has already um, given me the skills to accomplish, with the spiritual gifts that God has given me to use, what does he want me to do to further his kingdom? What can I do to love God, love people, and make disciples in a way that brings God the most glory? That's the best question you can ask yourself when it comes to what are you going to do with your life? Not what you specifically want to do, but what God's will is for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is the question. And in talking to uh, the graduates before today, there, there is some confusion. Like, what am I supposed to do with my life? There are so many different options on the table, right? Which is where prayer comes into play, right? So make sure that we're lifting them up in prayer so that God can guide them to do what he's calling them to do. Because um, that's a big deal, and that can be scary at times. So figure out what God wants you to do and take that next step. Don't be afraid of trying to do uh, something that God's calling you to do that maybe you've never tried before. Um, Learn from your mistakes and realize that God's glory can be made even greater because of those mistakes if you learn from them and improve. Allow God to pick you up. So that's his plan. His plan for you is going to look different. Probably each person in here, his plan for you is going to be different. But are you willing to, to ask him, what is your plan for my life? How will you accomplish this in my life? How can I line myself up with your will to accomplish this? That's the plan. Then verse twelve it says, "That is why I am suffering here in prison, not because he's a bad person, but I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted him until the day of his return." So Paul is like, man, my past, my present, my future—it's all in God's hands. I'm in prison right now. Things are looking bleak. He's probably had people tell him, you're going to be murdered because of your sharing of the gospel. He's already been stoned before. He's already been kicked out of different cities. So he knows that his end probably isn't going to be this glorious thing, right? It's probably just going to be, wow, I just, I got murdered for the cause of Christ. But he's saying, you know what, I don't care. If that's how God wants to use me, I'm willing to be used like that, which is an incredible act of faith that we can all learn from. Verse 13, it says, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and love that you have in Christ Jesus. So remember what you were taught in school. Remember what you were taught uh, here at church. Remember what your parents taught you, grandparents taught you, friends taught you. Don't just forget all of the, the spiritual wisdom that you've been given and life skills. Use those to your advantage. Verse 14 says, Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. So I'd encourage you, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you, the truth that Jesus is Lord. Guard that. Live your life on that. Tell people about that. Verses 15 through 18 um, are kind of sobering. He says, As you know, Everyone from the province of Asia has deserted me, even Figalus and Hermogenus. May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family, because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. He talks about a lot of people that have turned away, at least from helping him and maybe from God. But he talked about a couple other people that really encouraged him by what they're doing, what God is allowing to do um, in and through them. So I would encourage you graduates, um, I think we all hear statistics that are like, man, so many people walk away from their faith when they get to college. I would encourage you not to be that statistic. I would encourage you to live your life in a way that daily pleases God. And I, I also think there's uh, some unneeded stress because you're going to think that you need to change the whole world all by yourself, right? E- even in reading God's word and seeing what Paul did, it's like, dude, God did so much with Paul. I need to change the world just like Paul did. But I encourage you not to be um, stressed out by that because that's, that's God's plan. You are just one part of God's plan and his plan for you. is to live daily to please him. So don't get freaked out over everything you have to do to change the world. Don't have this quarter-life crisis where you get to college and you're like, I've done nothing, right? Um, that's a real thing, by the way. Do You guys know that quarter-life crisis? It's happening now because people are starting these grand, crazy businesses and doing so much good around the world that by like 25 years old that you get to be 26 and you're like, uh, okay, I graduated college. Cool. Good for me, right? What have I done? So that, that's, a, that's a real thing. So don't be uh, surprised when you hear that term now, I guess. <laughs> uh, but just, just, um, just be encouraged and have the faith that God is going to continue to work in and through you to complete what he wants to do, as long as you're willing for that to happen. Um, so just some, some, uh, some somewhat obvious things. Now, form good habits the first week that you enter college. Um, I've read that the first two weeks are really key. The first two weeks, the habits that you make are going to be the habits that you keep for the whole year for the most part. So I would say don't just get to college and be like, okay, I'm just going to take a month to just soak it all in, figure out what I'm doing. But instead, from the first day, the first week that you're at school, say, you know what, I'm going to uh, spend time in God's Word on a daily basis. I'm going to uh, make sure that I'm talking to friends. I'm trying to make friends. I'm going to study like I'm supposed to. Not so I can uh, even get good grades, but that I can bring more glory to God. Um, find a church, regularly attend it and, get involved in it, and get involved in it. But above all else, above all the good habits and everything, is your priority needs to be Jesus. That needs to be your first and foremost priority. So your plan is to tell people about Jesus. Your purpose is to love God and love people, And use your skills in a way that allows you to do that to the best of your God-given skills and gifts. And your priority is Jesus, walking daily with him. So as far as the next step for you guys, obviously there's a big transition coming up in your life. Um, But I would encourage you um, to pray uh, a pretty simple but a very important prayer. Um, The first time I ever prayed uh, a prayer like this was in junior high. Um, I was at this youth retreat. And it was the first time I I had ever prayed a prayer that just said, God, I give you my entire life. I give you uh, the good things, the bad things that are going to happen. I give you my time, my energy. Everything about my life, I give to you. So that was the first time I ever prayed that was in junior high. That wasn't when I got saved. I was saved before that. But it was my first time that I was like, I had some clarity of, you know what? Whatever God wants to do in my life, I want him to do it. And that's when, that's when God kind of gave me the vision for uh, working with students and working with leaders, and I was very encouraged by that. So I'm not saying you say this one prayer, and you're for sure going to know exactly what you're supposed to do. But I am saying, if you've never prayed the prayer of just giving God your life, not, not for salvation, but for, God, use me in any way that you want to. Help me to live life to the fullest for your glory, not for my own. I would encourage you to pray that prayer. It's not a prayer to pray lightly because God is going to do amazing things, and it's not always going to seem like he's right there with you, but he is. He's there through your doubts. He's there through what we think is silence from him. He's right there with you to accomplish what he has for you. So I'm going to end with uh, reading out of 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So this is farther along in the letter to Timothy but I think it's really important uh, for all of us, and especially you graduates. 2 Timothy 3, 14-17. Paul says this, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So graduates, class of 2015, are you willing to accomplish what God has for you? Are you willing to live your life in a way that you will accomplish every good work that God has for you to do in his name. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for life transitions that cause us to think about our lives, that causes us to ask big questions. We are just taken out of the day-to-day, and we can actually think about what we're doing with our lives. Father, I thank you that your will, above all else, is going to happen Father, I pray that um, we would all live our lives in a way that we line up with your will. Father, I pray that you'd be guiding our graduates as they're deciding what they're supposed to do with their lives, as they're determining their majors, as they're changing majors. God, I just pray that you would help them and guide them. God, when bad things happen or when things challenge their faith, I pray that they would turn to you. Father, that you would make your truth known to them in a very real way. Father, that you would just be guiding and equipping and encouraging our students to love you and love people. God, I pray that they would be able to impact um, people in their classes. Father, I pray that they would be able to impact their professors. God, I pray that you would just use them in a way that shows people the love of Jesus in an awesome way so that we can see more people come to know you. Father, so that we can be encouraged by the lives that our graduates are living. God, that we can be challenged to live in a way that our graduates live. I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you for your calling on our lives. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: All right. Well, I'm the old guy. I got a little bit of advice, too. I'm the last one up here. My class will be celebrating its 40th high school reunion this year. Forty-year, Terry, and that's that goes fast, don't it, Terry? So I just want to encourage you all to... to have your parties today, have your fun at the high school tonight, hug your friends, hug your family, eat the food, and tomorrow make a difference. Start making a difference. That goes for the college folks, too. Start making a difference tomorrow, because believe me, it goes fast, and, and, and go into the world and make a difference for Jesus and for society. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you so much for this big turning point in uh, these young people's lives. Whether it's high school or college, um, this is, this is a, a corner in life that can make a real difference. And I do pray you'll put it in their hearts. All the things that they've learned here at the church, uh, that their parents have taught them, they'll go into the world and make a real difference. They'll go into the world and and show people that there, there's another way to live. There's another way to love because of, the, of uh, what Jesus did for them. I pray, Father, that they'll allow you to use the special skills you gave each one of them to make that real difference in the world. And one last time, Father, today I want to thank you so much for the men and women who died for this freedom so these folks do have a choice. They can make their own way in life because these people paved the way for us all. And I just thank you for that, Lord. I pray that every one of us will leave this building today with that same determination, we're going to make a difference for Jesus. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Congratulations again. Go into the world and make a difference. Thank you all.